world knoweth us not, because it knew not him. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Father, I pray you'd bless the next few minutes we have here tonight. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. And I pray that you'd bless the time that we have here tonight. We give you all the praise and all the glory. Work in our lives and in our hearts tonight. May we leave here tonight appreciating you more. We love you in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Depending on the type of relationship you had with your father, the fatherhood of God might be a comfort or a troubling concept to some. For some, the word father brings feelings of resentment, pain, fear, memories that have been broken, regret, neglect, and abuse. But tonight I want to remind you of something. You have a perfect heavenly father. The fatherhood of God is not patterned after the fatherhood of men. Instead, earthly fathers are to relate to their children as God relates to his children. It's what the Bible tells us in Psalm 68, verse number 5, a father of the fatherless and a judge of the widows is God in his holy habitation. Psalm 103, verse number 13, as like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. Psalm 27, verse number 10, when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. We read some verses a few minutes ago in 1 John chapter number 3, and when we stop to think about the powerful words there, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. What right do we have to be called children of God? Now I know there are those out there that get this crazy idea that all, everyone is a child of God. That's not what the Bible tells us. We are the children of wrath, even as others, the Bible says. The Bible says, ye are of your father, the devil. You are not a child of God when you're born into this life. The only way to get into the family is through the adoption that Christ gives us and gives us access to the Father. Tonight, the title of my message is this, Welcome to the family. Sometimes we feel neglected. Sometimes we feel like we're on the outside. But behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon you that you should be called a son of God or that you should be called a daughter of God. What love the Father hath bestowed upon us. How do we become part of God's children? Are we born into God's family? And the answer to that is very simply no, we are not born into God's family. 
We are adopted into his family. I want to give you some thoughts about adoption tonight. Adoption is an act of God whereby he makes us members of his family. Jesus said when he prayed, Our Father which art in heaven. Isn't that an awesome thing? Old Testament, when did anyone pray and call God Father? Can anybody tell me a time in the Old Testament where they prayed to the Father? Now we know that Jesus Christ, the Son, is the Son of God, and He is God. So He has every right to pray to the Father. But you notice something. He prays, Our Father, which art in heaven. Romans 8, verse number 15, the Bible tells us, For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Galatians 4, verse number 6, And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Abba is an Aramaic term for father. It portrays the sense of closeness. Like the English term, we might use daddy. It, it, it gives the idea of tenderness, dependence, a relationship free of fear or anxiety. And because of what God has done in our lives, and because of adoption, and because of him making a way for us to be in his family, we can cry out to God just as Jesus did, and we have a heavenly father tonight. Not based on who we are or what we've done, and not on any merits of our own, but based on the love that the father hath bestowed upon us. That's why we can be children of God. We see, number one, that adoption is an act of God whereby he makes us members of his family. Number two, adoption takes place when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. Let me remind you of something. Does a dead man have faith? No, a dead man has nothing. For by grace are ye saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. The grace and the faith is a gift from God. A dead man can't do nothing on their own. The faith that we have to put in Jesus, he gives to us. Think about that tonight. Think about how wonderful that is. The Bible says in John 1.12, But as many as receive him... To them gave ye power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. The Bible tells us in Galatians 3, verse 26, For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. We see adoption takes place when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. Number three, adoption proves that God loves us. Let me repeat that one more time. Adoption proves that God loves us. Behold what manner 
of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. God loves you tonight. Those watching in Facebook land or YouTube land, if that's even a land, I don't know if it is or not, God loves you tonight. The Bible tells us in the book of Matthew, chapter number 10, it says in verse 29 to 31, Are not two sparrows, sparrows sold for a farthing, and one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father? But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear ye not, therefore, ye are more value of more value than many sparrows. God loves you tonight. And so many young people, so many adults today are trying to find value. May I remind you of something tonight? Quit trying to find value in all the wrong places. Look to your heavenly Father. You have worth tonight. He loves you. You mean something to Him. You're special to Him tonight. And yes, you might have a hard time with other relationships and other issues in life, but may I remind you tonight that God loves you. Your heavenly Father loves you just how you are. And if He knows about a sparrow falling to the ground, if He knows the number of hairs on your head, don't worry about life. Guess what? He's there, and if he cares about those things, he cares about you more than he cares about those things. Thank God for adoption. Adoption changed our life. You think about adoption in our terms today. You could take a boy or a girl that's unwanted, and the family will take them and make them their child. Yet the perfect Heavenly Father knows everything about us. Every sin, every, every deep, dark secret, everything. He says, I want you as my child. I didn't get to choose if I wanted William or Alyssa or David or Matthew. God just gave them to me. And I'm glad He gave them to me. They're my kids. But God said, I know every bad thing about you. I know every good thing about you. And we'll be honest, the bad outweighs the good in every single one of us. And he says, I choose you. You have value tonight in your Heavenly Father. Thank God for adoption. You will know one of the best parts about adoption is the privileges we have as children of the King. You've got to understand something. You're a child of God. There are privileges and things that we get that others don't get. Not because we're special, but because we're in the right family. What are those things tonight? The well, first thing is this. Our Heavenly Father takes care of our needs. Hey, church, your Heavenly Father takes care of your needs. Matthew 6, verse number 32. For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your Heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. 
some family privileges tonight, your Heavenly Father will take care of you. God will take care of you. Thank God for that. Matthew 7, verse number 11, If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? My kids come to me and say, Dad, I'm thirsty. Dad, I need this. Most of the time, I'll do my best to get them what they need. You know, if we're in the middle of a hike somewhere and they say, I need water now and there's no water, you've got to wait a little bit, you know, something like that. But I do my best to give my kids whatever they need. Their shoes wear out, I get them new shoes. Their clothes get a little small, I get them clothes. I'm hungry, I feed them. And the older they get, the more expensive they get. And I don't know what I'm going to do when I have four teenagers or close to that. They're already starting to eat us out of house and home. But I'm going to do my best to give my kids what they need. Do you know what the Lord says? If you being the way that you are, do your best to take care of your kids, how much more am I your perfect Heavenly Father? going to take care of you. That's a powerful statement. Our Heavenly Father takes care of our needs. Many times we're like children, not knowing what our real need is. Dad, I want ice cream. You guys ever said that before, William and Alyssa? I need ice cream. Every day, yeah? No, you need food. Sometimes you don't need, know what you need. You know what you want, right? We all think we know what we want and need. But sometimes our wants and what we really need are two totally different things. Dad, it's just not fair. I wanted that candy. say, I don't like it when my kids do that. How often do we do that with God? God is just not fair! God says, I know what you need. I love you. I'm your heavenly father. I will take care of you. But God, I don't get it! sometimes like, God, why couldn't you just do it this way? God will take care of you. He will meet your needs. Trust your Heavenly Father. Maybe there are people in your life, maybe your father, maybe others in life that have made it to where you have a hard time trusting and being dependent. You can trust God tonight. You can depend on Him. He's a good father, and he loves you. And so many times people look, sometimes I think that God's just sitting up there laughing when I struggle. Having, think about it tonight. If your child falls down, are you going to be out there just laughing at them? Maybe if you're Lori, you would do that. But other than Lori, and no, I'm not Lori, I'm just teasing. But your child gets hurt. <laughs> 
Most wouldn't do that. Most wouldn't do that. But that's sometimes how we view God. God's laughing. No, God loves you. He hates to see you struggle. But life, there are struggles that come. And sometimes, and I've got young kids. I don't have older kids. And I hear that parenting doesn't really change the older you get because you still worry about your kids, even when they're adults. And then you have a child go away from God, and you want to fix and bring them back, but you can't. It's kind of like the prodigal son. Dad said, you really think it would be better off if I was dead? That's what I mean to you? Have what you want. The son went and spent everything that he had. The dad sees him afar off. The dad didn't stay there and be like, I knew this was going to happen. I was just waiting for you to wise up and come back and beg forgiveness of me. Now I love what the father did in the story the parable he ran to meet the son he didn't say you're stupid aren't you did you're dumb in doing this no he said you're my son i love you that's the heavenly father that we have some of the family privileges our heavenly father he takes care of our needs number two our heavenly father forgives our waywardness I wish I could say all through life that I stay faithful to God like I should. But we all know we don't. Matthew 6, verse 14, the Bible tells us, For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your Father, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. This is not a prayer for salvation. It's a prayer in our lives. Prayer for salvation is a one-time event. But you think about it. We just talked about the prodigal son. When did the prodigal son get right? When he came to himself. Do you know there are so many times where I just wish I could go up to people and just shake them straight and fix them? But it doesn't do any good. They have to come to themselves and realize what they're doing. And sometimes that's some of the hardest part of everything. But it's important. When the prodigal son came to his senses, he thought to himself, instead of living in this pig pen, how many of my dad's hired servants have it better than I do now? It would be better, better for me to go to my dad and tell him I've sinned and let me be one of your hired servants than to stay where I'm at. As I mentioned, the prodigal son and the father there, Luke 15, 20, the verse tells us, and he arose and came to his father. Could you imagine how the son must have been feeling as he was getting closer to home? As he was, for us, driving closer to that street, about to know he's going to hear something. He's about to, I've wasted everything. He arose, he came to his father. Look at this verse. But when he was yet a great way off, 
his father saw him, had compassion, and ran, and fell on his neck and kissed him. If you don't see in the in the um, in the prodigal son and the father there being the heavenly father, and there are many people who would say that this parable is referring to salvation because of the previous two parables leading up to it. I don't agree with that statement because this was a son who stepped away and a son coming back. It's a story of a of backsliding. This could be any of us here. And when we mess up and get away from the Father, guess what? He forgives us. Thank God for His forgiveness. This story pictures God's eagerness to forgive. He ran to me. I love that. How many of us would do that? That's what love the Father hath bestowed upon us. We see our Heavenly Father takes care of our needs. Our Heavenly Father forgives our waywardness. Number three, our Heavenly Father gives us an inheritance. Isn't that wonderful? Galatians 4, 7, Scripture says, Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if you're a son, or if you're a daughter, then you're an heir of God through Christ. Romans 8, verse number 17, And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God, and join heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with Him, that we may be also glorified together. Saw a bumper sticker one time that said, I'm spending my children's inheritance. <laughs> I had a nice car. Think about what the Bible tells us in 1 Peter 1, verse number 4. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. He has an inheritance that can't be wasted away. It's reserved for us in heaven. The privileges of being in the family of God. We're in the greatest family that's ever been established. I love that song that we would do during handshaking time that we haven't done in a long time. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. There's no family like the family of God. And there's no head of that family like the Father. He's been so good to us. And sometimes what we do is we go to our Heavenly Father, or we talk about our Heavenly Father, and we ask childish, childish questions. Why does, God's, why does God give His children so many rules? Why would God do that? Well, I got an answer for you. Isaiah 64, verse number 8, the Bible says, But now, O Lord, Thou art our Father. We are the clay, 
and thou art potter. And we are, and we all are the work of thy hands. God made us, and God knows what we need in life. Father knows best. Isn't that quite a concept right there? Why do parents and why do fathers have rules? To protect their children and to help their children prosper. God's rules are like guardrails. They protect you. And sometimes you don't understand it. But God just doesn't place a rule there to restrict you. He does it to make you better. But sometimes we look at God and God, why do we have so many rules? Think back to when you were a teenager and you told your mom or dad, why do we have so many rules? Why can't I go to that party? Why can't I do this? Why can't I do that? God loves you. He cares. And then we have this thought, another question that we ask. Why does God allow his children to experience pain? Tough question. If God really loved me, he wouldn't allow me to go through pain. You've got to remember something. God always takes our pain and makes something good out of it. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. To them who are the called according to his purpose. The pastor, I don't like the pain in my life right now. Do you love God? Then he promises to work it for good. What good is there in this pain? We don't often see the good. But we have a father who promises good. When we don't understand, God asks his children to trust him. The Bible tells us, last verse I'm going to give you before the Lord's Supper tonight, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 11 and 12. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, and then shall I know even as also I am known. Mark Twain said it like this. When I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant, I could hardly stand to have the old man around. But when I got to be 21, I was astonished at how much he had learned in seven years. And we know who actually learned something. It was Mark Twain. It wasn't his dad. Some of you teenagers are like, yep, I'm waiting for that day when mom and dad learn this stuff. No, 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 no. No, the older you get, you realize they knew what they were talking about. You have a wonderful heavenly father tonight. Behold what manner 
of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we, who were dead in our trespasses and sins, we, who were the children of wrath, even as others, we who were patterned after the course of this world, our desires and our thoughts in the way of this world, we were of our father, the devil, that we, the wicked, could be called the sons of God. Christian, don't ever lose sight of how wonderful your heavenly father was when he let his son die for you so that you could come into his family and be in his family. Jesus, the night before he was betrayed, the Bible tells us he took bread and he blessed it and broke it. He said to his disciples, take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. The Bible says likewise, also after supper, they gave, he gave them the cup. He told them, this cup is the New Testament of my blood, this do ye as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. One of the wonderful privileges we have as children of God in this life that we live, there are two things that we get to do that identify us with Jesus. The first one is after salvation we can get baptized. Jesus was baptized. Baptism doesn't save you. Baptism shows identification. And then the second thing that we get the privilege of doing as children of God as partaking of the Lord's Supper. Far too many people go overboard and miss the point of the Lord's Supper. I know a lot of churches, and I'm not mad at other churches, and I'm not preaching against other churches, and I'm not preaching against other Christians when I say this tonight. There are some people that put so many strong, restrictive rules on the Lord's Supper that they miss out on what the Lord's Supper is all about. Say, what's the Lord's Supper all about? This do in remembrance of me. The Lord's Supper is a time to remember the Lord and what He has done for us. Say, how long are we supposed to do it? How often are we supposed to do it? The Bible says when you do it, you do it in remembrance of me. That's when you do it. And when you do it, you do it to remember me. That night in the upper room, Jesus hold, he was showing the disciples what was going to take place. He said, guys, you do this in remembrance of me. Tonight as we get ready to pass around the elements, it's different tonight. Yeah, this little cup that's got the little wafer on top and the juice below, it's a little different than normal. But last time I checked, that's not what's important. That's not why we do it. Behold what manner of love the Father hath given unto us that we should be called the sons of God. The fact that His Son would say, Hey, Father, I will go. I'll pay sin's debt. I'll make it so that your children, that these, that these people who are not your children can become your children. That's what this time's all about. Say, so time to say, Jesus, thank you. I was once your enemy, 
but now I'm seated at your table. Jesus, thank you. I don't understand it all. I don't see how it all had to be this way. But thank you for the cross, Lord. Thank you for the price you paid. Buried all my sin and shame. And in love you came. And you gave me amazing grace. Thank you for this love, Lord. Thank you for those nail-pierced hands. Wash me in your crimson flow. That's all I know, your forgiveness and embrace. Looking to him and praising him, worthy is the Lamb. You know that's what we're going to be doing in heaven? You know what the Lord's Supper is? It's a little bit of heaven here on earth. Where we get... We have so much in this world that's trying to bombard our time today. The news, Facebook, social media. Many churches, it's been a long time since they've been able to do this. It's an important part of the body to be able to do this. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter number 11. The Bible says in verse 23, For I received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. And when he had given thanks, he break, um, verse number 25, and after the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as often as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death until he come. The Bible says, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. Verse 28 says, But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. I'm going to take a moment tonight before we partake. Is there something that needs to be gotten right between you and God tonight?